it's just all that money in the bank, right? And the fact, you know, the psychological thing that I need premium players in my team. I can't go into this double game week without as many premium players as I can fit in. You know, it's just that that thinking. I totally get that. And it is psychological because I've been walking around for the last three weeks with, you know, 5.0 in the bank since I sold Salah for Rafinha. And in fact, since game week 13, let me just read you briefly, right? Highest scorers in the game. Gundogan, Bruno, Barnes, Sterling, Stones, Martinez, Rashford, Rafinha, Diaz, Madison. Those are the top 10. All their prices are all over the place. We've got to stop thinking about these players as price points, so I need to jam in as many premiums. I'm guilty of it too. I had a wildcard draft with, you know, Salah and Kane, and because they're expensive and I want them. But you've got to chase the points, not the price, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think we actually spoke about the same thing last week, right? So just same thing, you know, chase points, not price. I like that, actually. Yeah. Put it on a (laughs) t-shirt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the FPL Banger podcast. This is the Game Week 26 preview. I'm Siva, joined by Sam. Sam, how was Game Week 25? I had a decent 25. Not as good as yours, but, you know, not bad. Um, Finished with 82 points, but then you take into account the 4-point hit, so that's 78. You know, decent. I think Game Week rank of somewhere around 600k. Um, And Green Arrow, so no complaints. Yeah, you had double city defense. You had Pascal Streak, the budget leads defender with 8 points. James Madison, Bruno, Gundo, Che Adams, Kane, Bamford. But a bold captaincy pick, Sam, which paid off. Rafinha, 24 points. That's got to feel good. Yeah, I mean, always feels nice to get your captaincy pick right. Is it bold, though? I guess because everyone was going Bamford, right? But the stats show that Rafinha would be the better pick. So I just, you know, went with the stats. It's, it's impressive. I was talking about this to some people... Uh, on Twitter a few days ago about how I'm usually on Twitter and you're not and they were saying oh that's interesting so then like you know how does that change your thinking on stuff and I said that's why Sam is captaining Rafinha this week he hasn't read anything about Bamford he doesn't care about ownership he's you know and I but I'm impressed because you knew that everybody else was going to captain Bamford in our own mini league we have like 15 people and I think 13 captain Bamford so when you see that, I wonder, does it like scare you after the updates? I mean, of, of course it does, right? During the game, I'm just hoping that Bamford doesn't score, even though I have Bamford. Or at least that Rafinha outscores him. I guess for me, I don't look at ownership at all. I just purely pick who I feel will do best for that week. Yeah, I just that's one of the reasons why I captained Bamford, because I was thinking that kind of feeling, right, if I'm going to watch this match... And I have to pray that I own this guy, but I don't want him to score because I captain someone else. Or if he scores, I need him to score more points. Like, it's it's quite stressful, but hey, it's worked out for you, so can't complain. Yeah, take the hard aspect out of it, I guess. Yeah, or maybe just don't watch the game. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Which is quite hard because you and I watch a lot of games. <laughs> if we're not, I mean... We do, uh, and yeah. even when we're not watching, we're both checking our phones constantly. To the annoyance of everyone around us, I think. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. But yeah, so good week, Sam. 78, you're, you're rising very rapidly. Uh, you know, you've gained about 500k in the last five weeks. Annoying thing is, in our mini league with our friends, I did not even move up one place. All in good time, I think. You know, th- that's why we have these doubles now. And, uh, you know, there's, there's big gaps to be made back from the start of the season because... We weren't maybe on template picks. But I think over these doubles, we're going to start seeing some big arrows. Hopefully green, you know, but we'll see. <laughs> okay, give you your slot now. I know you had a good week, Siva. I know you're dying to talk about it. So go ahead. I had a decent week of 97. Once you take out the hit, it's 93, which gives me a game week rank of 40k. I won't lie. This is a good week. It's probably my best week of the season. I think I haven't had a game week rank this high. But a lot of it, I will freely admit, is, you know, some circumstance involved here. I wanted to wildcard. I mentioned this in the last episode. And I didn't wildcard because Premier League didn't release the fixtures until 
60 seconds after the game week deadline, which I can only assume was a deliberate attempt to try and sabotage my wildcard. So I chickened out and I just stuck with the team I had. And luckily the team I had was pretty good. Pope clean sheet, double city clean, Barnes, Harvey Barnes, man, 13 points. He's fast becoming my best transfer in of the season. Rafinha, Sun, Bruno, Gundo. Ings fail, but didn't matter because I had Bamford and Dallas. Stuart Dallas, 17 points. Game week king. I just really pleased with Leeds. And I just, what I wanted, I took away from this double game week was you got to, you know, take a shot at these double game weeks. You know, there's a chance, you got two chances. These players have two matches. They may get a haul. Dallas scored in, I think, 70 minutes in the second game. And I think that just shows that going forward, you've got all these double game weeks, you just got to take a chance. Because you have, you know, there's more opportunities to make gains. Yeah, but take a chance on the right players, okay? Because sometimes people, you know, they, they overplay the double and they look too much for a differential. I think we talked a bit about this last week, right? You know, um, I think a lot of people are going Dallas or go Ailing instead. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, actually, it's something funny, right? So when the doubles were first announced, I think, you know, you and I were doing a pod about this like four or five weeks ago. And I wrote down like a really brief list of players I wanted to target without thinking about stats or anything. Just like basic first names that come to my head. Burnley, I thought Pope, Loughton. Leeds, I wrote Bamford, Dallas, Rafinha. And unbelievably, that's the three people who scored, you know. And sometimes it, it helps to keep it simple. Yeah. My question is, Siva, if you had played your wildcard, would you score less points than this? Absolutely. Because if I had played my wildcard, first of all, I would have had more Salah because... I sort of planned to get Mo Salah back in on the wild card. I would have had Mo Salah. I would have had Harry Kane. Both of them blanked. I might have benched Harvey Barnes because that would have been the natural sort of conclusion of the wild card. I wouldn't have been able to fit him in in the starting lineup. And would I have got Dallas? I'm not sure, you know, because did I want four leads on a wild card? Probably not. But once I was doing the transfers, you know, I thought I'll go for it. So... I got a bit lucky. I'm happy to admit. I definitely wouldn't have had Nick Pope. I would have started Emmy Martinez. But because I had, you know, my original team, I said, screw Emmy Martinez. He deserves to concede. He's been, you know, he's been running that lucky streak for too long. Let's go with Nick Pope. And Nick Pope had a very lucky clean sheet because Burnley were awful against West Brom. Sometimes it just breaks for you. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's move on. Enough about our teams, right? So double game week 26, the biggest double game week of all time, according to people who know these things. With so many teams doubling, we're going to talk about double gaming assets to target. We're going to talk about the guys who you don't already have. And we're also going to talk about what to do with Leeds assets. A lot of us have Leeds assets. Do we bench them? Do we bench boost them? Do we transfer them out for hits to get double game makers in? And then we will talk about captaincy. Captaincy is so huge this week, right? And it's quite open up for debate because the fixtures are fairly mixed. Let's start off with double gaming assets and spurs. And our first two questions are from Amy FPL. Is selling Sun for Kane a sideways move? And from Sam at Lot FPL, should I target Spurs defenders? Now, Spurs have on paper the best double. They play Burnley and Fulham, but the form has been bad from Spurs. Five defeats in the last six Premier League games. So Sam, you made the switch last week from Sun to Kane. Do you think that, you know, in hindsight, do you think it's a good move going forward? Yeah, I'm still fairly confident. If you watch the game, you would see Kane is still... He had chances to score an assist, right? If things went, you know, um, one way, the right way, he could have finished the game with a goal, two assists or something like that, right? It, it didn't because the finishing let him down and, and stuff like that. But I'm fairly confident in Kane moving forward, at least long term. So I'm okay with that. Now the question of selling Sun for Kane, I think it depends who are you bringing in for Sun, right? So according to his question here, he's saying, you know, if he sells Sun for Kane, he can bring in Barnes. And I think that's a great move, right? Barnes is really on form. Sidetracking a bit to Leicester a bit, but when you ask this kind of questions, it's not really a like-for-like like replacement. You've got a A plus B versus C plus D or something. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So in my opinion, you can sell Sun for Kane. Sun, I don't know, just Spurs as a whole don't look like they're playing so well. But if someone's going to contribute to the attack, it's going to be Kane. He's still involved in everything. So I would rather have Kane than Sun. Yeah, I own Sun. Um, not because I brought him in. I've just had him for a very long time. He's done absolutely nothing. And I've 
it's in many ways it's a mistake that I've kept on this long and I probably should have gotten rid. It's just I've had other things to deal with. Would I take Sun out this week? Probably not, but then I don't I can get to Kane without breaking Sun. So it's a, for me I have the cash. So I can understand a lot of people don't have the cash and Sun is their only way to get to Kane. Kane is the better asset at the moment. Sun had very little attacking threat against West Ham. He had one I wouldn't even call it a shot. The ball hit him and then it hit the post. Like it was an attempted clearance and it came off him. He seems to be playing out very far wide. Spurs don't seem to be playing well to begin with, but at least when they're attacking, like you say, Kane is the one with the chances. So Kane does look like the better asset. I think it's a fair move. Harvey Barnes will come to Leicester a bit because there's some interesting news about them. Um, Spurs defenders, though, to the second question, Sam. I don't see any appeal in Spurs defense. They conceded, what, in the first five minutes against West Ham? And all the defenders are rotation risks, even Regulon. I wouldn't go there. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, on paper, the fixture looks all right. Fulham, Burnley, now both has the chance to upset, right? Because Spurs is not playing so well. Fulham is starting to look more solid. Burnley, you know, on their day, they can be really, really solid at the back too. But it's just, I think Spurs is too inconsistent right now. You can't bank on a clean sheet. Of course, if you're... On a wild card, you want to take a risk. I think it's all right. But like you said, there seems to be quite a lot of rotation going on. Um, even Dyer, Dyer is not nailed anymore, right? He missed uh, a game. So it's kind of tough. And I think it might turn out okay, but there are better defenders to target for this double game week. Yeah, I agree. I just don't... And Fulham have actually improved quite a bit recently. They are only three points behind Newcastle at this point. They actually have something to play for. So I don't think that they will just sit down and accept a nil-nil against Spurs. I think they may go for it. And they scored against Spurs the last time they played, which is, you know, about a few weeks ago. So I don't think these are guaranteed clean sheets for Spurs. The, the appeal of Spurs, and I think this is what is pushing us to all get Spurs, is because they play in blank game week 29. And if you don't have a free hit, it's very useful to get a player who doubles now and plays in 29. But even then, I would... Honestly, I would probably just take a Villa defender or a Fulham defender who are much cheaper and are nailed. Yep, agreed. Um, so I guess for Spurs, only Kane is the only really um, appealing asset to own, I guess. And even then, it's just kind of like barely. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not even on form. We're just going based on his, um, his pedigree and the fixtures, right? That's pretty much it. There's really... The whole team looks like they're falling apart. And I think sometimes there's... Fantasy, you know, managers, we sort of, we think a lot about, okay, FPL record, you know, these guys are great, Kane has always been a good asset, but we're not watching, like, the game, Spurs fans are losing their minds, they're, they're calling for Mourinho to be sacked, and if you, if you, sometimes you've got to get away from, maybe they, you know, this is an FPL podcast, right, but you've got to listen to, like, actual football podcasts, and they're talking about how this is the end of days for Mourinho, we're in the third season syndrome, and things are falling apart, so... Basically, long story short, Kane only because decent fixtures and if they score, he's likely to be involved. If you have Sun, I wouldn't, you know, break my team to get rid of him, but I wouldn't be bringing him in this week. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't take a minus four to get rid of him. Let's put it, you know. I think if you want to transfer him out for someone who's on form, like Barnes, and that's the only transfer you're going to make, sounds good. But to take a minus four to transfer out a double game week player especially someone like Sun, who has the potential to haul, I think it's it's a bit risky. Yeah, I mean, if you're capping Kane, I can, we're getting, this is really team-specific, right? So it's it's hard to say. But if you're capping Kane, I guess you can make an argument for it. But it's it's not highest on the pri- you know list of moves that I would make. Let's move on to Liverpool, who lost again. They're just giving away victories at Anfield for free now. Salah blank, which worked out well for you and me, Sam. We both don't own Salah. And someone commented on our points total when I shared it. Oh, it's damn easy to have good scores when you don't own Salah these days. Like, well, but then just don't just don't own Salah then. <laughs> it's but it's crazy. I mean, okay, I will say Salah's underlying numbers are still decent, and he did have a really good chance against Everton, and he did his usual, you know, touch me in the box and I will flip. This time yeah. that he didn't get his penalty, so it is scary not to own. But let's get into the question here. It's from Jen at Fly Me to Tokyo. Is it worth selling Salah for Sun or Kane? So Salah does have a double against Sheffield United. Sheffield United have nothing to play for. They've lost John Egan, uh, Jack O'Connell. I think they've also lost Chris Basham. 
So the defense is basically Jagielka and Ampadu at this point. They're not looking great. Liverpool also played Chelsea in the double. So would you sell Salah this week to get to a Spurs asset? So like I said earlier, um, for a hit, I would not really sell any so-called quality double game week player. Do you know what I mean? If without a hit, I think it's okay to take the chance. Is Henderson confirmed out? He is, right? It looks like he won't be back for this fixture. Yeah, so they, they just have no players. And I know some people say um, oh, this is a bit outside of FPL or maybe kind of relevant, but a lot of people say uh, it's just the defenders, the attackers can still score and stuff like that. But it affects the whole equilibrium of the team. The moment they, um, Klopp moved Henderson to centre-back, they lost that, that engine in the midfield which then couldn't supply to the attackers properly. And now with Henderson even gone in the back, I really don't see the Liverpool team sort of coming back strong. That said, Sheffield is bad and I think they're pretty much you know, going down now. So depending on the players, they could just throw in the towel and, and then it could be a massacre. Yeah, I think the Sheffield fixture makes Salah worth keeping if you have him. A uh, few people have been asking me, should we sell? And I don't, I don't see the argument selling this week. I wouldn't buy him because the fixtures after that are mixed. They play Fulham in 27, not easy anymore. Wolves in 28, not easy. Arsenal in 30, I don't know. I mean, could God be knows. Easy. Could be. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? And uh, Villa in 31. But it's just, you just watch Liverpool play and it doesn't feel like you're getting the returns that justify the price. I think that's the biggest issue with Salah. It's not that he's not returning, but he's getting seven points, you know, week to week. You've got other guys like Barnes has scored more points than Salah over the last five, six weeks. And Barnes is half the price. Yeah. So what are you paying for? Yeah, so I think don't sell, but also don't buy. Yeah, which is not uncommon in FPL. So I think that's a fair fair line to take. You know, don't break your team to get rid of him. But at the same time, you know, you don't have to have him this week. Uh, Chelsea, Sam. So we have a question here from FPL Mahir. Alonso starting in the Champions League in midweek. Do I hold or sell? Now, I want to address this because I was very pro-Alonso last week on the pod. And if I had wildcarded, I would have had Alonso. I, I watched... did tell you that... Okay, you finish, <laughs> finish what you're going to say. I will finish. Okay, I know you're going to say, oh, he's a rotation risk. He has only missed two games since Tuchel arrived, which was... And one of those, he came on as a sub. Tuchel, when he was upset at Southampton, didn't take Alonso off. He took Callum Hudson-Odoi off and made an example of him. And he started Alonso in the Champions League again, gave him another 90 minutes. And I don't get why people keep worrying about a rotation that hasn't happened, isn't happening. Yes, Alonso is not going to play every single game. You tell me which asset is going to play every single game. Apart from maybe the Villa players who don't get rotated at all, people are going to get rotated now because there's so many fixtures. That's not why you own Alonso. We all have benches. You own Alonso because you may get a big, big haul. And against Southampton in the first 15 minutes, he was running riot. He had the whole left flank to himself. He was taking shots. He came close a few times. And as a non-owner, I was, you know, I was scared as hell. And I felt lucky that he didn't score. So if you own Alonso, I don't see the point of selling now. He's playing against United. United concede against anyone. As you can see, you know, conceding to Newcastle, that's an achievement. And <laughs> conceding to West Brom, okay? So obviously Chelsea could score. I'm not saying they will, but they can. And then Alonso plays Liverpool. If he starts either of those games against Liverpool, Trent, Trent gives up space. You saw what Barnes did to them. So I wouldn't sell Alonso. I've already have him. I may not jump in this week because the double isn't the easiest, but I don't understand why would you sell. Yeah, definitely. I think... If he's back to the old Alonso, he will be the most attacking defender in the entire league. Right? That was the Alonso of, was it, two seasons ago? Yeah. Yeah, so no reason to sell, but not necessarily buy because it's just, the fixes are just, it, on paper, it looks terrible. It's not the best double, obviously, but if you're going to compare him to people at his price point, right? Cancelo. We keep talking about Cancelo's, you know, attacking threat. The dude has scored, I think, what, one goal the whole season, which, you know, was technically offside, okay? So I own Cancelo, and I can tell you I'm not getting attacking returns. I'm getting clean sheets, which is nice, but that's about it. Alonso also would have kept a clean sheet against Southampton. They only conceded one chance, which is when Saints scored, I think. They had two chances. 
the goal and Vestergaard hitting the bar. I th- honestly think sometimes people just don't see a return after the first week and panic. You can't panic so fast. You've got to give your assets time. Agreed. And I wouldn't put it past Chelsea to actually keep a clean sheet in both games, actually. It seems like that's the way uh, Tuchel is setting Chelsea up, like defense first. And I think the United game will be fairly cagey. Solskjaer himself has not really attacked in these kind of games, I think since the 6-1 against Spurs. Yep, that's true. That's true. So Let's talk about yeah. Leicester. Let's move on from Chelsea. Because uh, I'll be honest, I don't see anywhere else I would invest in Chelsea. If you have Rudiger, maybe just hold. But Leicester... So, before we started recording the pod, James Madison has been ruled out of this week's Europa League fixture. And Rogers says he's being analysed and they are talking to specialists. Long story short, it doesn't look like he's going to play at the weekend. He didn't say that, but it doesn't look like it. The question of what that does to all other Leicester assets is hard to answer because Madison has played... He has started every single Premier League game since the game week 8, except for one game. And at the start of the season, he was playing a lot of cameos, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And he kept coming on off the bench at scoring like bangers. So it's it's hard to sort of formulate, you know, what will happen to Leicester without him. Also, at the start of the season, when Madison was injured, Dennis Pratt was fit. But Pratt is out right now. So Rodgers will have to adapt, maybe push Tielemans up, switch to a back five. I don't know. But long story short... I think if you're going to go in on any Leicester asset now, you have to sort of manage your expectations. You have to understand you're taking a slightly bigger risk than you were, say, five days ago. Yeah, agreed. I think Madison actually plays a very vital role to Leicester's attack. He kind of is all over the box uh, or you know around the area, the, the AM area, and he opens up space for Barnes. And Barnes is smart or they have some kind of chemistry going on, right? The Barnes knows how to how to find the space that medicine creates. So without medicine, really don't know how they will play, whether they will be as consistent attacking-wise as they were these past few weeks. We really don't know. I'm a medicine owner, by the way. Yeah, how are you feeling now? (laughs) It's horrible. My original plan was to double up on Barnes and medicine. But with this, I don't know what I'll do. If it's confirmed that Madison will not play, I'll probably transfer him out. Whether I'll make it a sideway move to Barnes or someone else, I have not decided. So It's tricky because okay, I have been a bit lucky. I went for Barnes, you went for Madison. We went on the same week, I think, on Leicester Mids. Um, I'm a little worried about how it affects Barnes, but the simple answer to people asking how what will happen, we don't know. So if you own, hold. If you want to go in, I still think the price is okay here. Is They're only, what, 6 7 so Barnes is 6.8. I think it's up to 6.9. I think at that price, you can take a risk. Uh, the fixtures are quite good. Leicester play Arsenal and... Okay, Arsenal they play Arsenal and Burnley yeah. in the double. And Arsenal, that means Barnes is up against Hector Bellerin. Hector Bellerin has the most yellow cards of any defender in the Premier League this season. Eight along with Conor Gallagher. And he's not a good footballer, Okay. Okay, Bellerin used to he used to be good I mean he really used to be like a legend and he was damn fast and all that but since the injury he's just not been at the same standard so Sterling is caught from that flank as well I would expect Barnes to do some damage then they play Burnley Burnley hard to call Brighton at Sheffield United for four fixtures you can't ask for much better than that yeah yeah I mean it's, it's decent fixtures right scorable fixtures but again we, we don't know so would you advocate someone taking a minus four to bring in Barnes? Only if they're selling a single game week asset or a player who's not playing, if that makes sense. Because when you do it, I mean, we talked about this on last week's pod, but if you're getting rid of single game weaker for a nail double game weaker, it's a minus two effectively because they get an extra game. That's how I like to look at it. So. Yep. I, I agree, 100%. I did want to talk about Ricardo Pereira because last week's pod, I was very negative on why people were interested. He hadn't had much attacking threat. But against Villa, Rogers played him basically as right wing. And everybody keeps saying it's because they wanted to counter Grealish and they didn't know Grealish was out. Look, I knew that Grealish was out on Friday night, okay? Because I, I messaged you and said, Sam, Grealish is out, you're screwed, okay? Because you could see it from the training picks, Grealish wasn't present. Then there's this account that tracks FPL transfers and they showed that all the teammates of Villa were transferring out Grealish. Rogers knew. And Rogers said in an interview on Sunday that he had an idea. I'm not too concerned about Ricardo 
not playing at right wing very often. But the point is, he played there against Villa and he looked amazing. First 20, 30 minutes, he's just running straight at the goal, taking shots in a position he has. Basically, he's Alonso on steroids, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think for those of you who maybe this is your first year playing fantasy, you don't know, but Pereira was maybe the second most attacking right back in the league last season, only behind Trent, I think. He was amazing. So if he nails down a spot on the right wing, or actually even if he doesn't uh, play at the right wing every week, but he goes back to being a, a right back, I think that's, that's great too. Ricardo Pereira is a really good asset to own if he's fit and firing. Yeah, and I think I would still be okay to go there because in terms of clean sheets across the season, Leicester have a decent record as compared to, say, somebody like Everton. I think the, Everton only have five cleans the whole season. Yeah. So the problem with Leicester is that you cannot predict where the clean, the clean sheets are coming from because I think they kept some clean sheets against really big teams and, and things like that. They're really inconsistent. Yeah, they are. But I, I, I'd like to think, you know, they're, what, second in the table now? Yeah, and this joint second, I think. Yeah, yeah, joint second with United, and I think this season Rogers really wants to go for it. So, I feel like it's a good punt to take. They've got good fixtures before twenty nine and after twenty nine. They don't play in twenty nine, so that's something you need to bear in mind if you're not using free hit. Um, we had a few questions on this from FPL Frazier asking us, "Would you go in on Barnes now?" I think Sam, your answer is you're not really sure. Uh, yeah, I probably still will just based on. His current form is too good to ignore. And there are there isn't that many replacements at that price bracket, you know, if I'm transferring out medicine. So I might just go medicine to Barnes. Yeah, I would say if you're looking for another option, maybe somebody like Lukman, but I wouldn't class them in the same category. Because Lukman, I mean, I like him as a player, but not as good as Barnes, not as direct. He assists the assister a lot, which I really don't like for FPL purposes. So... Yeah. And Rafinha would be great, but Rafinha doesn't have a double game week. So. I'm keeping Rafinha on my team. So. You have to. I mean, anybody who watched the last two games, you have to keep Rafinha. The last five games or something. <laughs> Rafinha last has five. just been insane. I brought Rafinha in for Salah like three weeks ago, you know, and I'm very happy with that transfer. I don't think I've lost anything. I'm, I'm just going to say, right, that despite this game, double game week being so-called the biggest double game week ever, I feel like there are really few options. I don't know if you feel the same way. But in every position, I can maybe only list down like five or something targets. And I think it's because a lot of the big teams are not on form. We are not really looking. I mean, we haven't get there yet. We will. But that's just what I feel. It's also because a lot of them are playing each other, right? So you've got United playing Chelsea, Liverpool playing Chelsea. Uh... Yeah, but I mean, we spoke about Chelsea and we're like, no, we're not looking at any of their attackers. And, you know, and we'll get to it one by one. But even the teams we've gone through so far, we can only name like maybe one or two players that we want from each team, which is really little. So anyway, <laughs> let's, let's continue first. Yeah, we can get back to this once we finish all the teams. Existential questions. Okay, so we answered, I think, Hazik Suhai's question about Leicester assets without Madison. And uh, Fluid Football wanted to know Barnes, Madison or Vardy. Okay, I will get into the Vardy issue because Vardy Boys has also asked us, Ings replacements compare Vardy, Kane, and DCL. And I the issue that I have with Jamie Vardy is this. I watched the Villa game, right? He is still the lead striker, but he's not the furthest up the field. In fact, Madison was playing higher up than him at certain points. Yeah, but Madison is out now. Mm. Ma- yes, Madison is out now. But Vardy seems to be making a lot of runs to try and make space for Barnes uh, and uh, even Ricardo to you know get in. And I just feel that if you have Barnes at 6.9 or whatever... I don't see the the justification in going for Vardy at 10. It's different from whereas Kane and Son, Son is doing next to nothing. So you're not actually benefiting from saving that cash. Would you double up though? No, I mean, with the Madison injury now, I think definitely you can't double up because that's asking for trouble. I think you go one and you go for the cheap one because you're mitigating a risk. Doubling up, you'd have to be a brave man now. But I mean, if you take... Um... If you want to see how they play without Madison, then you go back to the early season when Madison was injured. And Vardy was doing well. Pants, Kinda man. Pants. lots of pens, like two or three pens. So against. many <laughs> pens, right? Two pens against West Brom, which I think were his only shots in that game. Uh, I don't think we can read too much into that. I think the City game that they won, which they were really good, right? Madison came off as a sub, came on as a sub. But they were playing that game on the counter fully. And... 
I just don't see if, let's put it this way, if someone were to take out, I don't know, okay, Bruno out of United, would you buy Rashford tomorrow? Does that, I don't know if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, it kind of makes sense, I guess. I, I get what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, you could. I mean, I got Barnes in when Vardy was out, knowing that, you know, my theory was, oh, okay, maybe Barnes has to attack more. In hindsight, that was a kind of flawed, and Barnes has actually exploded with Vardy returning. So I think that's what I would say. Now, let's... Uh, but as a comparison, we're going to talk about DCL a bit later on. If you were replacing Danny Ings, Kane, Vardy, or DCL, who would you go for? DCL. Interesting. You've not been a big fan oh, of DCL sorry, before sorry. this. Kane. I forgot. That you, I didn't hear that you mentioned Kane. <laughs> Kane first, of course, um, followed by DCL. Followed by Vardy, I guess, among these three. Okay, let's talk a bit about DCL, right, since we're on that topic, right? So DCL came off the bench against Liverpool, immediately got slightly controversial assists by winning a penalty. Uh, he plays against Southampton and West Brom in the double, and then it's Chelsea. But interestingly, Everton and Villa may have a double in game week 28. This is what Ben Krellin says. So Ben Krellin, who predicted you know, the blank game weeks and the double game weeks almost to 99% accuracy, follow him. He says there may be a double game week for Everton and Villa in game week 28, yet to be confirmed. If that's confirmed, then suddenly Everton and Villa assets, you know, you're getting an extra game week out of them. DCL, would you consider going in on DCL this week? We, Or do you just feel Everton's too unpredictable? Because a lot of people went for them when the Newcastle game came around and then they blanked. But then they score against United. Yeah, so early on just now you said that I was not a fan of DCL. That's incorrect because I am actually. Throughout the entire season, if you remember, we both were really big fans of DCL. What I wasn't a fan of was Everton. Just the way they were playing. It just felt like nothing was going to happen attacking-wise. There was no creativity. So therefore, DCL was not a good option. Looking at how they played last week, now, of course, you know, could be a one-off, but I feel that with Dine back, with, you know, Richarlison fully fit, Rodriguez kind of getting back there, I think it all um, points towards DCL, I wouldn't say hauling, but at least returning. You know, it looks good for DCL now. Looks like he'll be able to get the opportunities he needs to score. And they have good fixtures. So I'm probably, I am going to bring DCL in this week. I think that's the most important point. And I also will probably bring him in. Because Southampton and West Brom. Now, West Brom have improved. In fact, I think they were quite unlucky not to beat Burnley. But they still give up chances. Southampton, don't know what has happened. You know, like they drew 1-1 against Chelsea. And they fought hard there. But against Leeds, they just folded in the second half. And you can't ask for, you know. Once again, you said there aren't that many selections in this double. Everton's fixtures notwithstanding the fact that they just messed up a double, you know, back in 24 by, you know, losing to Fulham. But DCL wasn't fit then. He makes such a big difference to the team, I feel, because he holds up the ball. He does things that Richarlison just doesn't offer. So, yeah, they've got all their guys back, except for Alan, I think. Yeah. I think DCL's a fair punt. Dean, Sam, I want to ask you about Luca Dean. Dean has eight assists in 16 appearances this season, which is insane, okay? Uh... This is a stat from FPL Frazier, friend of the pod. Last season, Trent had 15 assists for the whole season. So Dean has half of that in half the time. The issue is Everton don't keep clean sheets. Only five clean sheets this whole season. Which is a big issue. Would it put you off going for Dean? Yeah, definitely. I think he's really expensive, right? He's six, I think. 6.1. 6.1. For that kind of price, you need both clean sheets and attacking Trent. Even if he gets an assist. Without a clean sheet, that's um six points. Am I right? Yeah. Two appearance, four for the assist. He's not going to get any bonus if they don't keep a clean sheet. That's just the way it works for defenders. It's really rare for one of them to get bonus points, even though without a clean sheet. If Everton let in two, that's a minus one. So I just feel for that kind of price, you need the clean sheets because for defenders... Clean sheets can be more than the clean sheet points. You've got the bonus points and so on and so forth, right? So it just puts me off. I feel like without clean sheets, he's just not worth his price despite his attacking threat. So if you were to compare between Ricardo 
of Leicester and Dean of uh, Everton? Because I think a lot of people are making that decision this week. Who would you go for? Hmm. I guess I'll go to Ricardo Pereira. But I will admit that I am worried, right? He's just back from injury. He has started... Okay, so he came back in game week 21 as a sub. 22, 23, 24, 25. Mm. That was his fourth start in a row. Yeah. In that case, I would be happy to go for Ferreira, actually. Over Dean. I know it sounds crazy, right? But to me, clean sheets are really important. Yeah, I, I would agree as well. I just think Leicester's a more solid team. The fixtures are a little better. And uh, this is a question from FPL Port Nodal, by the way, who asked us between Dean and Pereira. I would probably just lean to Pereira. I think as a team, Leicester give me more confidence. I just don't have confidence. Everton seem to concede, you know, every game. And they seem to concede against weak teams, which I never understand. Yeah. So, I mean, you take, for example, right, Dean, from game week 20, no, game week 18 up till now, he's had three assists, which brought him five points, five points, and four points. And then he had one clean sheet against Leopold, which is seven points. You can see instantly if you can get a team who between... So, game week 18 to now 25, that's uh, seven games. Is my ref right? <laughs> yeah. uh, more <laughs> than that if you include the doubles. Six, seven yeah. games. If you can get a team with who managed to keep clean sheets half of those games, you know, City defenders are cheaper than him. You would end up with way more points. Yes, and... Okay, we're not going to talk about City in much detail because everybody knows everything to know about City. But double defense, man, I'm. This is the easiest thing in the world. Six points. It's like a cheat code. Every week, I'm getting six points from these guys. Uh, and if they don't get six points, usually they just don't come on at all. So your subs come in. So I think yeah, City defense way better value for money than Dean. I would agree. Yep. So my verdict on him, it's a no. I can see why people want him. The attacking stats, you know, really. Looks in his favor, but to me, it's a no. Let's talk about Villa. Okay, so Villa, a uh, lot of questions here uh, from FPL Swing, Jag Relish, what do I do? And a question from Nanu or Africa, double up on Villa defenders despite Cash's injury. So, Sam, you own Grealish, uh, you, you own Martinez as well, I think. I own Martinez as well. Would you, what are you planning to do with Grealish? Are you planning to hold? Are you planning to replace him this week? And what would you say to going on Villa defenders now? Um, okay, so for Grealish, I think it depends on the injury news, of course, right? If it's confirmed out, I would transfer him out. Even if it's back, say, next week. Vince uh, will miss his two games, right? But I feel just the opportunity cost of leaving him on your bench you know, it's, it's not worth it. So I would transfer him out if he's confirmed um, injured. On defense, I, I think only Martinez are target, right? Villa has shown um, that they can keep clean sheets. I know they haven't looked so good the past few weeks, but they have good fixtures, right? Decent fixtures this double game week. Possible doubles in future, and they play in 29. I think it's okay to have target. Uh, if you have Martinez, don't sell. Bring in Martinez now. That's the difference, right? Because Martinez has actually become really expensive. 5.3. Yeah, but if you're... You know, you don't have anyone else on 29 and you don't want to make another transfer in between now and 29 to bring in a playing keeper, I think it's okay to have Martinez. Honestly, I would just go Areola if you're starting now. Oh, yeah. I forgot Areola plays in 29. Actually, I th- I spoke to you. I don't remember if I mentioned this on the pod or was it personal to you but I did speak very highly of Areola like a few weeks ago and Fulham's defense as a whole they have really picked up yeah so the only catch and I think you sort of have to explain this because a lot of people won't know this Villa I mentioned earlier there's a possible double for them in game week 28 you need to follow Ben Krellin to see if this actually happens if they have that then Villa will have double in 28 double this week in 26 and a game in 29 and they are the only team in the league who have the possibility of, you know, that. So even Fulham, who double in 26 and play in 29, definitely don't have any other double in between then. So you are getting, at best case scenario, one extra fixture from Villa, maybe two over any other team in the league. Now, how you how valuable you think that is, I leave that up to you. Because if they're going to concede in both games, okay, so you're getting two extra appearance points. I think that's something you need to judge. Which is why I think you're correct to say if you go in now, Target makes sense because Target is cheap. 
I don't Consa has attacking threat. Has attacking threat, yes. Because Target actually did well against Leicester. In fact, it's his ball that led to the goal. It was his cross that eventually was put in by Bertrand Traore after hitting some other people. I think Target's a fair option to go for. Uh, Consa, if you really don't have cash, 4.6. Don't go for El Mohamedi. I'm seeing people saying, why not go for El Mohamedi, 4.3. He'll play while cash is out. How no, long please. is cash out, by the way? A few weeks. That's what Smith says. But the, uh, here's another thing you're going to have an issue with, Sam. Smith doesn't tell the truth about injuries. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. true. That's he true. didn't like the fact that people knew about Grealish's injury. And he said, I'm going to launch an investigation. You know, little did he know there was his own players, you know, in the FPL teams. Yeah. And then when he found out, he banned all of them. Uh, he says that, but I, I can still find their team. Okay, never mind. They're getting off topic here. I mean, they're not going to delete the, their team, but uh, yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> let's, let's stick to the topic. Oh, but but long story short, it's not actually the FPL thing. It's the fact that they released their own training pictures and you could see 20 people, but Grealish isn't there. So you make, you know, it's fairly easy to see. The point that I'm making is that when you get to Friday's press conference, I will be surprised if Smith comes out and says, yep, Grealish is out. He may say, oh, he has a chance. So in that situation, Sam, what are you going to do? Oh, if it's anything ambiguous, I will sell. Um, I think we kind of discussed this even last week, but... Even while Grealish was fit, we were saying that we were considering, you know, should we keep him, should we not? He's not really been on form and things like that, right? So to me, I'm okay to sell now uh, for another player who have a chance of doing well long term, right? So if you, you know, if you want to get Harvey Buns, I think that's okay. Good fixtures coming out, he's on form and, and things like that. I think it's a decent replacement rather than you know, go through the um, the ambiguity, whether he will start or not. Maybe he missed the first game, plays the second game, and you know, that kind of thing. So I would just play it safe in that sense and take him out for someone who is guaranteed to play. For me, yeah. the fact that Grealish is out actually means that I had to shelf my plans of getting Watkins. I was, you know, I planned to get him in like three, four weeks ago. On this week, you know, I, I made that whole, uh, what you call it, transfer planner and stuff like that. But the fact that Grealish is out, I feel, just takes away the appeal from any Villa attackers. The, the defense, I feel, okay, cash is out, but they still may be able to sneak a clean sheet. But just the attack as a whole, you know, Grealish does so much for Aston Villa. Without him, I just don't really see them doing well attacking-wise. Sure, they can sneak a goal in here and there, but just as a whole. Especially for someone like Watkins, who kind of is a finisher doesn't really um, create his own chances in that sense. You know, he's just always at the right place at the right time to finish it without Grealish to create those chances for him. I don't see him doing well this double game week. Yeah, I think also one thing about Grealish being out, I was listening to FPL Wire today and also I was watching Match of the Day on the weekend and both of them said that Grealish being out actually may also hurt the defence, especially against the bigger teams because... Grealish, you know, has the ability to basically drag the ball from, you know, his own goal to the opponent's goal. And that buys space and time for everybody else to recover because he's just such a good player. So even with the defense, I think we're saying it's okay to go in because they're cheap. But with the attack, uh, like you, I don't see the upside. In fact, Watkins didn't have, um, I think he only had one shot against Leicester. I think that itself tells you the story of, you know, it's not going to be easy for them. Triore, who scored, only had two shots. I would so. say, though, if, if I don't know, you're stubborn and you really want a Villa attacker, if you're on a, you know, a wall card or whatever it is, la, for some reason, you want a Villa attacker, the only one I would go for is Bertrand Traore. And it's a bit weird, right? But I just feel, because he's kind of more direct than the others, he's kind of guy who can make his own chances in that sense, you know? He has the ability to dribble past a few players, take a long shot. Maybe you'll go in, maybe not. But I feel without Grealish, it's this type of players who have an outside chance of doing well this game week. Yeah, he can sort of make his own chances. He, you know, yeah. he takes shots from weird angles. And yeah, yeah. he's 5.9, which is a, a decent price. I mean. I'm just putting it out there so that when he does score, you know, we can come back to it and I can say like, you know, I told you so. so. Yeah, if you, if you, <laughs> I'm you not throwing him in. <laughs> so... <laughs> Very good disclaimer. Okay, I just wanted to quickly mention uh, Fulham. No one asked about Fulham, but I, you know, looked at it anyway, okay? And if you need a cheap defender this week, I strongly recommend you take a look at Ola Aina, okay? And 
don't laugh, Sam, alright? Because all I know... I'm not. I think it's good. But yeah, yeah, continue. He was the hero of Double Game Week 24, okay? And most of us had not heard of him before then. He had a big haul, okay? Goal against uh, Burnley, which came off his chest, and an assist, which was a good assist against Everton. He's been playing centre-back for a lot of the season. Parker's been putting him in a, as a back three. But in the last three games, Parker has switched to a back four. He's played Aina on the left and then on the right. Right is his natural position. And he played on the right against Sheffield United. Had a shot. Looks good. He runs up and down. He's a proper wing back. He plays Crystal Palace next. And coincidentally or not, you can decide this for yourself. Lauten scored against Palace from the right. Veltman scored against Palace from the right. So if you're, I like these kind of patterns, right? And I think if you've got nothing else to do, 4.5 defender has a double this week against Crystal Palace and Tottenham. And he plays in 29. And he plays for Fulham. So if you bench him, you're not going to feel bad because he plays for Fulham. So Olaena, I think you give him a chance. Yeah, I like him. Because um, I think a few years ago, I transferred, transferred him in into my FM safe. He was, I think, from the Chelsea Academy, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So yeah, he is a familiar name to me. Sorry, Sam, but I just want to say you should consider Fulham players if you haven't because they have something to fight for and they really look like they're taking this, you know, like they, unlike Sheffield United and even Newcastle, I would say Fulham just look like a team, you know, possessed. Yeah, I think they are really going to push to stay up and it's actually a kind of a normal pattern in that sense where in the last few games, some teams at the relegation will just, I don't know, suddenly be on steroids and they'll just be playing out their minds. Fulham looks like they're going that way. Aside from Aina, I think we mentioned earlier, um, Areola is a good keeper to have too. I definitely can see a few clean sheets, you know, in the games to come. So yeah, those two players are good. Yeah. I would also, I mean, I'm not opposed to Lukman or Maja. My only, because uh, their price points are really cheap. Maja is the only playable 5.5 striker in the game. Lukman is still around the 5.0 mark. The issue with them is attacking is not really Fulham's strongest suit this season. They create chances, but they don't convert them. And ultimately, at their position, they're the kind of team that, you know, if they got a 1-0 lead, you would expect them to try and, you know, hold on to that. That's the only thing. And we've got so many good midfielders, so that's it's hard to make a case for them. Let's move quickly to Leeds for a second, right? So Leeds came through double game week heroes. Eventually, it took time, but they got there in the end. So we have a question here from FPL Trinity. Would you bench boost or triple captain this week? And if you are bench boosting, would you do so with, say, a couple of lead players on your bench? Or do you just take hits and get Kane in for triple captain? Obviously, very team dependent, Sam. What would you say to this? You've already used your bench boost, so it's a hypothetical question for you. But I have bench boost and I may have to do it with three leads players. What would you say to that? I think it's okay. They're playing Villa, which as we mentioned earlier, may be in trouble in this match, right? So I wouldn't put it past them. Now, especially if you're on a bench boost, but you don't have free hit, so you want to keep your Leeds players for 29. So I think it's okay. You know, it's a, it's a kind of out of necessity, but it's, it's not a bad thing, you know? Put Dallas, Rafinha and Bamford on your bench um, and then play a bench boost. I think... It's a decent option to have. Obviously, not optimal, right? People always want 15 double game week players. But still, they have the, the chance to do well. Everyone's fear over this is game week 19 where people did do this and Leeds blanked against Brighton in a single fixture. Yeah, I can understand the fear. But what choice do you have in that sense, right? Unless you're going to take a minus one now and then take another hit down the road to bring them in. Possibly for another minus four, that's already like minus eight again to you. You know what I mean? Because there aren't that many matches in between now and then. And how many players do you have who will be able to play in 29 based on your current team? Yeah, and that's a question here from FPL Vigorish, which I would answer is, do you take Leeds assets out this week? And would you do it You know, for a hit or not? I don't have free hit. And I'm not opposed to taking Leeds assets out this week if you need to and you want to get in double game weaker. I think that's fine. But if you're already planning to transfer them back in for 29, like you say, you're basically setting yourself up for minus eight in and out. And in order to justify that, they need to not only haul this week, you know, you need another 17 pointer from Dallas on this side and the other side. And I think 
you can't let the result against Southampton cloud you too much, okay? They got there in the end, but realistically, that's not going to happen each week. And it, it may not happen against Villa. Yep, agreed. But if you do have free hit, then I think it's okay. I'm taking uh, Bamford out this week. Little spoiler, I guess, <laughs> for this year. Yep. So, yeah, but you have free hit, so I think yeah, it's... Yeah, so uh, I do have free hit, so I'm free to make these kind of decisions. But even then, I'm still playing Rafinha because I just feel that he's really on form. I'm okay to have him even though he has only one fixture. I think that's fair. I mean, just seeing how he's been playing, I I yeah. would be scared to not have him this week. Let's get into the captaincy, Sam, because we've spent a good chunk of this talking about all the, you know, the little players and the are smaller we, are issues. Are not going to talk about City and United? What is there to talk about? Okay, so I will talk very briefly about, you know, whether you need to get KDB in this week. The answer is no, okay? Because, <laughs> I mean, he played 68. Okay, we are recording before the Mönchengladbach game. We're recording the night before. So if he goes scores a hat-trick, okay, I look like an idiot. That's fine. But against Arsenal, played 60 minutes, looked okay, had some decent passes. Pass for Sterling. Sterling messed up the chance, you know. What else is new? As a former KDB owner, I just laughed, okay? And just was glad I didn't own him. I still think Gundogan is the better asset. Gundogan is the guy making the runs into the box. He's closer to the box. KDB, I still see him halfway through the match standing between the two centre-backs. And I just thought, like, if I'm paying 11 million for this guy, why would I do that? So, I'm sorry. KDB is not for me. Just get, you know, two defenders and Gundogan. Be done with it. Okay, what if you don't have a City defender for all you madmen out there who, <laughs> for some reason, do not have and you're thinking of bringing one in, which would you bring? Diaz. And I don't have DS, but I would have DS. Because DS seems to be nailed, you know, like more nailed than the other guys. As nailed as you can be in a pep team. Well, not as nailed as Edison, but I don't see the value there. I agree, actually. DS, Stones next, or would you put Cancelo next? Cancelo seems to be slightly more nailed. He seems to be a little more cautious. I'm looking at the the benching patterns for Stones, and Stones seems to get benched just a little bit more. And I don't know, maybe because he doesn't trust Walker. It's hard to guess with Pep, right? But I think that basically with all these guys, just have benches to cover them. Now, KDB, Sam, why don't you talk to me about KDB? Because I keep seeing people saying, okay, I really need to you know, try and attack this double, and I'm going to be different and get KDB in. I just don't see the appeal. Like, I think cheaper assets are outperforming him. He has less goals from open play this season than Lingard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I see your point and I agree. But I also see other people's point because I did consider it simply because there is no premium option to have this, this week aside from um, Bruno. Right? Sun is kind of like a maybe... So if you're gonna pick five midfielders, right? You got, you want Bruno in, you want Barnes in. Who are we going else? <laughs> Sun um, maybe. You got Gundo. So that's four, right? And the fifth one is kind of like a struggle. And we all have money, so with all the money in the bank, people are thinking, "Hey, I can go KDB straight away. Why not do it?" But then again, I'm also not hundred percent sold on KDB yet. It's a tough one, but I'm just saying I can understand where they're coming from. It's just all that money in the bank, right? And the fact, you know, the psychological thing that I need premium players in my team. I can't go into this double game week without as many premium players as I can fit in. You know, it's just that that thinking. I totally get that. And it is psychological because I've been walking around for the last three weeks with, you know, 5.0 in the bank since I sold Salah for Rafinha. And guess what? Salah is, you know, scoring less. Okay, granted, Rafinha's played more games, but, you know, Rafinha is outscoring Salah. And in fact, since game week 13, let me just read you briefly, right? Highest scorers in the game. Gundogan, Bruno, Barnes, Sterling, Stones, Martinez, Rashford, Rafinha, Diaz, Madison. Those are the top 10. All their prices are all over the place. We've got to stop thinking about these players as price points, so I need to jam in as many premiums. I'm guilty of it too. I had a wildcard draft with, you know, Salah and Kane. And because they're expensive and I want them. But you've got to chase the points, not the price, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I think we actually spoke about the same thing last week, right? So just same thing, you know, chase points, not price. I like that, actually. Yeah. Put it on a (laughs) t-shirt. I don't think there's much to speak about Man United. I mean, Bruno and Shaw, if you want, don't expect too many clean sheets. But when they get a clean sheet, 
Shaw's on for a massive haul because he's creating chances like there's no tomorrow. So I, you know, insane. And I he, think in the past few weeks, no defender in the entire Europe has created more chances than Shaw. Yeah, it's insane. And I mean, it's really annoying that he has to play. Like, can't you guys buy better defenders? Why do you still have David De Gea and you know Maguire and Lindelof? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna get into that now. There'll be another like 15 minutes of me ranting about United's recruitment policy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into captaincy. Okay, we put it off long enough. So, Wait, I, question. I it. Sorry, I got one more about United. What about Rashford? Do you rate Rashford? Doubling I'm, up with Bruno, of course. I like it when Rashford plays on the left. And I've told you this before. When he's on the left, I have confidence he'll cut in, he'll shoot, he does amazing things from the left. From the right, I just feel like he's not the same player. And. I don't know. I don't know why Ole likes to play him on the right. That's my only issue with Rashford. I think... It's, it's not that Ole likes to play on the right. It's that Ole likes to play Marshall for some reason. And he Rashford is kind of more versatile, right? So if Marshall is playing and Cavani is playing, there's nowhere else to put Rashford except the right. Well, maybe good news then. We, we don't like Marshall at all. Well, Cavani is apparently missing the Europa League game. He hasn't returned to training. So it does seem like he may or may not play in the double game week. So maybe that's good for Rashford. Yeah, I I actually have heavily considered bringing him in this week. But it's the fixtures after the double that scares me. Because they play City and then West Ham. Uh, West Ham is not a joke team anymore. Okay, <laughs> they're, they're really good. <laughs> they are. They're good even against big teams. So just to double up against City and then against West Ham I don't know so I'm, I'm still undecided on that but I, I'm considering bringing in Rashford I think he's a good differential because very few have Rashford actually it's quite a turnaround for you Sam because you've always not been very keen on Rashford yeah I mean but I his past few weeks he's been playing on the left like you said um, and it's, it's true he does really well when he's on the left on the right I think we just need some kind of solidity. We seem to be getting that now. So I like how Rashford looks now. I don't hate it as a punt because 26, they play Chelsea and Palace. Okay, Chelsea, you don't know what happens. Palace look yeah. awful at the moment. So could get something there. And I mean, 27, okay, City. But I mean, you've, you have a bench, you know, worst case, you know, you could bench him or you could just play him. And then West Ham, you're forgetting West Ham will be without Jesse Lingard, you know, or Messi Lingard as something. <laughs> Yeah, so. Lingardinho. Yeah, Lingardinho. Uh, but he blanks the trainer, but then you don't care because you got free hit. And then after that, Brighton, Spurs. The fixtures maybe aren't that bad. It's just that Chelsea and City fixture that, you know, maybe puts people off. Yeah. So I think it's a decent fun. Um, if any of you are braver than me, y'all can just jump into it. As for me, I'll probably be deliberating this right up to the deadline. So I, I like that kind of fun. I feel like that's a... Because he's at that price point, you know, kind of low risk, you know... I, I like that kind of fun. Let's talk about Captain C, Sam. We've put it off long enough. Okay, so questions from uh, FPL Hafiz. Kane versus Bruno for Captain C. Cubitos, is it time for triple captain or should I hold off? And from Guard Effendi, loyal listener, <laughs> your take on Captain C. Oh, wait, don't bother. It's Bruno. <laughs> that, that, that answer's mine, I guess. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously yours is not going to be Bruno. I know that. But mine is. So yeah, you guys know me well, listeners. I Can you try and justify? Is, do I need to justify? Okay, Chelsea is a tough game. Then they play Chris, Crystal Palace. Should be a demolition, right? Palace are awful right now. Against Chelsea, I mean, it's tough, but it's not impossible to imagine a Bruno Penn. Dodgy or sketchy it may, as it may be, but it's not out of the imagination. I like how Bruno is looking the past few weeks. Just the form he's in. He hasn't blanked for four games. Four goals and two assists in that time. So, you know, I think... And I've had faith in Bruno <laughs> pretty much the entire season, right? Been such a big fan and advocate of Bruno. I think this is the week for me, you know. I'm putting my triple captain on Bruno this week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Really? He's... And what happened to Triple Captain Kane? I felt, I'm felt i quite confident you said Kane a few weeks ago, Sam. 
Yeah, but you know the way they've been playing, I'm happy to have Kane, but not enough to triple captain him, or even captain him at this point. I can so, understand that. Yeah, I mean, I think Bruno is just so consistent, right? I don't need to to speak more <laughs> about my love for Bruno. We all know how good he is. He's the highest scoring player in FPL right now. His stats are just you know out of this world in terms of. Um, points per game in terms of you know his his goal involvement per game I think it is a safe bet for double gaming especially considering he will probably play both games I think United um, can't afford to bench him anymore despite you know in um, our Europa League but um, yeah so I think Bruno set to play both games which is really important for our captaincy choice good chance to return it's a, it's to me i'm gonna put my faith in bruno triple captain let's go <sighs> sounds good sir I, I wish i had my triple captain left but good luck to you i think i think i can't really argue with any of the points you make the palace fixture is just such a tasty fixture that in of itself you could you know get 18 points there so and then chelsea is a bonus I really can't find good arguments. I have no confidence in Kane. I think we're all just getting Kane in in case he halts, not because we think he's actually going to halt. I'm not really confident about captaining Kane. My alternative to Bruno, and I haven't decided, would be Gundogan because hmm. I look at points per game. I look at returns. I look at which is the best attack in the country, and I think it's Gundogan by a mile. Now, people say he's may not be on pens. He's only taken one pen which he scored from this season. So his points aren't coming from Pence. He's scoring the goals. West Ham and Wolves, tricky fixtures, but City can bash anyone on their day. Look at what Gundo did in 60 minutes against Spurs. Rotation risk. So that is what people keep saying is the thing that puts them off Gundo. I still feel, you know, Gundo doesn't need 180 minutes to do the damage. As we saw. As we saw. But obviously... Bruno appeals because you know that he's going to start both, probably play the full match. Only almost never takes him off. If he does, it's usually at the end. So I can see the appeal for Bruno. I feel if Gundo doesn't play the full game in the Champions League, I will still be tempted to go there. But if he plays the full 90, I may just go for Bruno because I just am not sold on Kane. And I don't know why everybody else is because I don't know what they're seeing that I'm not seeing. Yes, he had chances against West Ham, but... You know, Fulham and Burnley are the kind of teams who will sit and dig and fight. And, you know, they're not going to concede a lot of goals. I don't think either of them are going to get trounced. And Spurs, again, if you look outside of FPL, everybody thinks Spurs are bad. So I just don't see the climber for Kane as a captain. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with all those points. So like I said, okay to have Kane, not okay to captain him. All right. I think we've sort of settled on that. And about- good luck with the Bruno. DCL. Yeah. I see DCL. a lot of people talking about him and I will admit it seems attractive good fixtures I don't know I just don't trust Everton right because so so much inconsistency in their performances I mean not to say that United are the most consistent but on their worst day United need somebody to score Bruno usually shows up Everton you know blanked against Newcastle when we needed them and when they had all their players you know lost to Fulham I just I again I think similar to Kane right I would have DCL in. I don't think I'm confident enough to captain. And the victory against Liverpool, I feel like people don't watch these games because Everton barely did anything in that game. They scored early. They sat in their box the whole game. DCL came on for about 15 minutes. They fluked a penalty and they got a 2-0 win. I, that's not a recipe for success. Okay, You can't replicate that against Southampton and West Brom. So if he gets returns, fine. But I just he's not a captaincy option and he's not on pens. Okay, fair points, fair points. And I don't see the appeal of... I see some people saying Vardy and Barnes. And I, again, before the Madison injury, I could have considered it. I still think they're good assets. But again, captains say I just don't trust them. Yeah. some There are some assets that you're okay to have. But just... I don't know why. Is it faith? That we just don't trust them with the armband? So I think they fall in that category. For a lot of it is to do with price, which why I think even I took a very long time to get around to the idea of captaining Gondwan. But finally, when we did, right? And the first time we did it, I think it was against Sheffield United, I captained him and he blanked. And then everybody said, oh, you don't captain a 5.5 midfielder. But then, you know, we proved them wrong. So it's not 
it's not price. It's just that it's the fixtures, it's the reliability source of returns. And just Bruno's so, I mean, how does he, how does he do that against Newcastle? He did nothing. Every match report I read, I'm sorry, I'm ranting, right? But Bruno's <laughs> match report, you look at player ratings, right? And Bruno's report always is, uh, hardly did anything, but then scored a penalty. You know, like, or yeah. hardly did anything, then scores a goal. Even his assist was such a fluke, right? But it's it's good, right? I mean, it's not like he's yeah. fluking it. It's like he does these things, and I just don't understand. Okay, yeah, so good good it's, captaincy option. It's kind of like how DCL was scoring in the earlier parts of the season. Do you remember? He would do nothing the entire game, and then during a corner, the ball would like accidentally touch his chest and just go in the goal. Do you, do you remember? It would just be all fluky goals, but he just does it all the time. So, yeah. yeah. Same thing, I guess. Sometimes yeah. you just got to get the results. Don't look too much into the, the method or whatever. Yeah. And also, Bruno, midfielder, clean sheet points, bonus points. So, yeah, I can't argue with that. All right, listeners, that is, it's been a long pod, but we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, final update on the mini league for this week. We have a new leader. Jasper Olsen has regained the lead. He is now top with 1,701 points followed by Nigel Lim, Bruno Mars, Paul Oziegbe, and Chris, FPL Mariner. Between the five of them, they're ranked between 3K and 11K. And I just want to give a shout-out as well to Art, Arthur, and Naveen Lal, both on 96 points this week, just ahead of me. I was going through the mini-league thinking, oh, maybe I'm first this week, but, you know, I'm not. <laughs> both of them had 96 points with no hits, which is quite impressive, you know, and they've got even points on the bench, you know. Uh, Arthur benched Gunduan, brave, you know, worked out for him. Naveen benched Calvert-Lewin, Cancelo, and Antonio, and he still got 96 points. And I just want to say, neither of them have more Salah. So there is many ways to play this game, all right? Good job, guys. Um, congratulations to the guys at the top. Yep, and we will be back next week with the pod as usual. So good luck. Green arrows. You know, here's, here's to a great double game week 26. Oh, this is the thing.